Today's sermon is entitled, Willingness. How much do I want to do it? How much do I want to do it? Willingness. How much do I want to do it? If you notice, the picture has a raised hand volunteering uh, to answer the question of the professor or suggesting that the hand is raised, that this is something I want to do. You're looking for someone to answer. You're looking for someone to do something. I'm raising my hand because I want to do it. So this message is going to be about willingness. Um, It's about willing and action. So as we continue this year about action, we have willingness and action or willing things into action. It's sort of like you have to want to do what you do. You have to want to be who you are. You tracking what I'm saying? I'm saying living a life that you want to live, not that you're forced to live, not that your circumstances have carved out for you, not because you're forced to do it, but I'm living the life that I want to live. And so even if your life has dealt you some bad cards um, and it's not the life that you envisioned for you, you still can live that life with willingness. I don't like where I am, but I want to be here. I want to talk about how you get to that place, how how you're able to be able to say, in spite of the things around me, I'm still willing. I still want to be your husband. I still want to be your wife. I still want to make sandwiches for the people down the street. I still want to be on this job. I want to help my neighbor. I want to do it. So in today's lesson, we're going to talk about, uh, the context is in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 through 12, we're going to look at. But the context is that Paul is writing about a collection that is being raised for believers. That there's an action that needs to take place. We need to raise some money for some believers in trouble. And then there's this readiness of givers uh, in the persons of the people of Macedonia. So Paul is leading a collection from a group of people who want to give. And Macedonia, 
was one who raised their hand and said, hey, we want to give. And so Paul is using Macedonia's willingness to communicate their willingness to others to say to the Corinthians that he's writing to, to say, look at the Macedonians, look at how willing they are. Would you be willing to? And then Paul uses Christ as an example above the Macedonians. He says, okay, well, you think the Macedonians are, are really giving and really willing. So what about Christ? Christ was, is really willing to give. I mean, he, he's really willing. So, the key that Paul is trying to communicate, the key to effectiveness and successful giving and serving a life of action is our willingness to do it. And that's what the scope of this message is going to be on, that this, this life of giving to others or a life of action where we are actually serving and doing them. I'm not just talking about giving money, though the text is talking about this donation particularly we can use this lesson to, to be an example of teaching to help us understand how to live our lives, how to want to live our lives in a way where we expend ourselves for other people's benefit. Hmm. And then what we learn is that willingness and ability cohabitate. So you got to have more than just the will to do it. There's a ability to do what you want to do. Hmm. There are a lot of people who say, I want to do this in my life. I want to be this. I want to um, help young people. But they don't have the ability to do it. Which brings in the question, where does that willingness come from? What is it did God, did God give you that want? Because if God gives you a want, he also gives you the ability to do it. So the question this morning is, how much of my will should or does impact my actions? How much of my what I want to do in life has an impact on what I actually do in life? Get what I'm saying? There's a will and there's an action. How much of what I do every day, Monday through Friday, how much of going to work, raising the kids, getting food, doing whatever, how much of that is what I want to do? Mm. Versus because I have to do. Are you tracking with me? Because we're going to understand that, that the willingness to do something actually carries a, a component of benefit and the blessing with God that I think we're missing out on because we are busybodies doing stuff, but not because we want to. Is it possible to act without my will being in it? Is it possible to act? Is it possible to do things without wanting to do it? You bet your bottom dollar it is. <laughs> You bet it's possible people do stuff every day, not because they want to do it, but because they have to do it. 
or because they need to do it. I need to get this done today. I need to get this done today. Uh, or they're making me. My boss is down on me, breathing down my neck. All these things we do. I got to do this because I got to pay this bill. I got to get this credit off. I got to get out of debt. I got to. All of these things in our lives cause actions to happen. But how much of those actions are what we want to do? Hmm. What I'm trying to get you to see is the power that there's a power of being where you are because you want to be there or learning to want to be where you are and do what God has asked you to do. A lot of Christians come to church because they feel like it's what they have to do. My mama told me to go. Yeah, I, 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 I don't want to do it, but I do it because I know it's what I need to do. So let's analyze our willingness a little deeper. I want to talk about the willingness definition. And by willingness, I mean, you can tell I'm, I'm taking my time this morning. I'm doing, I'm, I'm going slow. By willingness, I mean, you're prepared to do something. You're prepared to do something. It means you're ready to do something. You're, you want to do something. It's a readiness in the mind. In other words, I'm getting ready to do this and I'm ready for it. I'm ready in my mind. And, and, and because I'm ready in my mind, I got my gear, I got my equipment, I got my resources. Like before I go online, I've got to be, if I'm ready to go online, we, we, me and Joy, we talk about the countdown. We talk about, we say, uh, three minutes to pre-live. Are we ready? You know, three minutes to live, three minutes to hot mic. You know, we have to be ready to act. You get what I'm saying? So willingness means that there's a whole preparation that happens on a mental level before we even get to the action level. Are you tracking what I'm saying? So what I'm trying to teach you is that there's an element or an aspect of living a life with a whole step prior to many of us wake up in the morning rushing to get to work and our actions are generated by our being late. It is not generated by our desire. Our desire would be, I want to work out. Our desire is, I want to eat a bagel first. Our desire is, but when you are ready and prepared, you can live a life based on what you want, not based on your late. Are you tracking what I'm saying? So, so this willingness, this is a readiness of the mind. It is in, an inclination to be favorably disposed in the mind. It means I'm ready for what you have to say. I'm ready for, listen, and not only just for the good, but I'm ready for the bad. If you cuss me out, I'm ready for it. I'm already, I'm willing to be here. You get what I'm saying? I came because I was ready for you. I came because I knew you might go left. I know what kind of person you are. So I'm already ready. It means I'm eager to help. I'm, and so many of us are in situations having conversations, trying to fix relationships, not because we're ready to, but because we don't have a choice to, because we've been forced to, or the circumstance has put us in a confronting situation where we have to deal with you. And that's when we clap back because we aren't ready. People say something and we, wait a minute, what we're not going to do, you know, that's the phrase now, what we're not going to do is, you know, call each other, you know, you're not ready for it. And so how much of life are you ready for? How much of life 
do you want to participate in? And I'm convinced that most of us don't go into Monday ready for the week. Do you get what I'm saying? And that's a lot of times why Sunday is so important to readjust and to focus and to prepare our minds to say, I got my word. God spoke to me and now I'm willing to go to work. I'm willing to raise these kids. I'm willing to help my neighbor. I'm ready. I'm in a disposition to know that something bad might happen. I'm ready to deal with a boss who I know it goes left and right. I'm ready for my sister who acts up. I'm ready. for. Do you get what I'm saying? I know that I'm going to be short in money this week, so I'm ready for it. I know I'm going to miss a few meals. I'm ready for it. Is anybody tracking with this? So you are in a willing state when you are done or accepted, you, you accept something without reluctance or hesitation. In other words, you don't do it reluctantly. You don't fuss about it. I mean, I'm going to do this and I got to go to this and just mumbling on your mind. Under your breath, mama used to say, I can hear you mumbling, walk away, walking away, and you know you get popped still. So listen, and at the root of the word willing, at the root of the word willing is will. It is your will. So you should be living the life that you will, that you desire, and the term will comes is synonymous with volition. It is of your own volition that, that you are in the situation you're in because of your own volition. Now, mind you, you were young, you were crass, you made decisions and choices that put you in a bad situation. Well, that's what coming to God changes. Coming to God puts you in a position where it begins to ward off all the bad choices of your past and put you in a position to be a better person where now you can actually live the life you want to live. Well, and you're going to learn that the life you want to live is the God, the life that God gave you to live, which is his will for your life. And your will becomes in agreement with his will. And you start living a more content life, a more satisfied, a more joyful life, because you are now willing to wake up on Monday. Do you know why people are depressed? People who are depressed don't want to wake up. They don't want to go outside. They don't want to breathe. And so we have to stand around them and support them and help them to to start wanting life again. And there are a lot of Christians who come to church. I don't care. You're there to church for the wrong reason and you need a pastor or an usher or someone sitting next to you to help you want life again. Life happens and you want to quit. Is anybody hearing what I'm saying? So you have to live a life of your own desire. It is what I want. It's not what they want. It's not what my boss wants. It's not what the job wants rewardable and acceptable action must be done because it is what you want to do. I'm going to say that again. Rewardable and acceptable actions in God must be done because it's what you want to do. So this whole life of actions I've been preaching about for the whole year has to hone into a place where it's what you want to do and that there is an acceptableness There is a relationship with God that is amplified because you're willing to do it. It's not what you feel is being asked of you. 
So you'll do it to comply. How about the praise and worship leader? Come on, y'all. Stand up on your feet. Oh, man. God got to stand up. Clap your hands. The praise and worship have to tell you clap your hands. Praise and worship leader have to tell you lift your hand. Oh, I don't. In other words, you're doing everything because the praise and worship leader asks you to. How much of church service is acted upon by yourself because that's what you want to do? I said hallelujah because that's what I want to say, PC. I lifted my hands because that's what I was feeling. That's what I wanted to do. I wanted to bow down. You didn't have to tell me at the altar to bow down. I want about God, hallelujah. I want to love him. I want to praise him. I want to shed a tear. And so to be willing is to be volitional and intentional in your actions. And so this then removes the possible detention of your acts by others. Anybody ever do detention in school? Detention is when you had to stay out of class and you're on detention. You got detention. And Mr. Lang used to say you have 15 for detention, sir. This lady had a big old gap in his teeth. He said, you have 15, sir. I mean, you know, yeah, 15 minutes of detention. In other words, this, when you start living the life you want to live, you remove the possibility of others putting you in detention, that your actions are not detained by someone else's will. Oh, this is good teaching. Because when operating from the desires of others, versus the desires of yourself and others around you, when you operate apart from that, they don't control you. Ah, man. So you start living a life that you're in control of. And when you want something done, when you want to, get the, Shauna, let me say this. Shauna, when you want something done, by any means necessary, you're going to get it done, right? But when somebody else wants it done or, you know, they want, you drag your feet or I'll get it done in 15 minutes. So why not live a life? If you live a life of things you want to do, you know, you're going to get it done, right? So a hundred percent of the things that you want to do are going to get done versus a life where 80% of what people are asking you, you halfway doing. Which life do you want to live? A life where you're willing to live and 100% of the things you want get done versus you only see 10%, 20% of the life that you want to get done because 80% of that life is was asked for or demanded by others. Right, never mind. I was going to preach to myself. I, I don't feel like there's a lot of amen this morning. But okay, that's all right. I'm, 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 I'm going to talk through this. So to be willing means you and you alone will see to it that the action required or necessitated get it's done. To be willing means you and you alone will make sure it gets done. I want to cook tonight. I want to do this. I want to make up the bed. I want to go to work. I want to love you. I wanted to buy you flowers. I wanted to uh, do, do this for you. I wanted to get you pay for your car. I wanted to, when you want to do it, you make sure it gets done. So now the caveat of all this to be willing is to be willing to give what you are able to give. So you can be willing, but if I don't have the money, I'm saying, oh, I want to pay for your tuition. Oh, I want to buy you some flowers, but I don't have the money to get you the flowers. That point is moot, right? You can't will to give what you don't have. So this notion of willing and ability go together. So it's will and action. You can't act upon what you will, but you don't have. So there's this willingness of an action, but the action can't occur unless there's ability. And ability refers to power. And we'll talk about that in a second. So let's explore this further in today's text. Let's read the text. 2 Corinthians 8 verses 1 through 12. 
Got to go a little faster. Now, brethren, I forgot when I started. Now, brethren, when we fish, when, when we, now, brethren, we wish to make known to you the grace of God, which has been given in the churches of Macedonia. All right. So this, remember I told you the gifts in Macedonia is the people who are, are giving and Paul is writing to Corinthian. Verse two, that in a great ordeal of affliction, their abundance of joy and their deep poverty overflowed in the wealth of their liberality. For I testify that according to their ability and beyond their ability, they gave of their own accord, begging us with much urging for the favor of participation in the support of the saints. And this, not as we had expected, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and to us by the will of God. So we urged Titus that as he had previously made a beginning, so he would also complete in you this gracious work as well. Talking about the Corinthians. Verse 7, but just as you abound in everything, in faith and utterance and knowledge and in all earnestness and in the love we inspired in you, see that you abound in this gracious work also. I am not speaking this as a command, but as proving through the earnestness of others the sincerity of your love also. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. I give my opinion in this matter, for this is to your advantage, who were the first to begin a year ago, not only to do this, but also to desire to do it. Do you see that? Verse 11, but now finish doing it also. So that just as there was the readiness to desire it, so there may be also the completion of it by your ability, rather the action. And the final verse, for if the readiness is present, it is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. So the question is, what is the issue? What is the issue? The issue is there is a collection being raised for some other believers who were in need of help. There is a collection being raised for some other believers who were in need of help. So clearly the issue is the point of concern is that Paul is raising a collection from Macedonians and from the Corinthians and he's trying to focus on getting them to do it because you want to not because you're made to. So there were some people in need of help and Paul says, I'm gonna, you know, try and encourage you to give. So first thing I notice about this, which I think is monumental, we realize that collections have to be organized. <sighs> that life isn't just thrown at you. In order to give properly or to will to do something or to desire to do something, it has to be organized. Paul had to organize a collection that he gives a whole chapter, chapters eight and nine, to receiving a collection and talking about how to give. Helping people doesn't just happen. There are thousands of people who want to help. I want to help young people. I had a dream years ago to take young people, African-American youth, to uh, all the black colleges across the U.S., and, and I would rent a bus and do that. That dream never came to fruition. I wanted to do it years ago, but the action never happened, right? Because 
Just wanting to do it doesn't make it happen. You have to organize. You have to strategize. You have to plan. You have to get funds for it. So in our minds, we're thinking, oh, I want to help. I want to help. But help won't happen if it isn't managed. You have to manage help. Listen to what I'm saying. So I'm saying to you, when you say you want to be a person of action, you can't be a person of action who just willy-nilly wants to help everybody. You can't help everybody. I'm telling you that Paul had to organize a collection. Go to Macedonia, pick up the money. Go to Corinthian, pick up the money. Make sure you put the money in the bank. Take with so-and-so with you. Do this and that. You got to make sure... Listen, if you're going to be a person of impact, it has to be organized. The second thing I learned is that the what of what we're trying to do has to be clear. Because if people don't know what you want them to do, they can't desire to do it. In other words, that's why nonprofits give you a newsletter every month to say, this is what we're doing, or this is what we did, or this is what your funds went to. Because we're trying to educate you on what the issue is. So Paul was making it clear. We're trying to raise money to help people. So if you don't even know what God's will is for your life how in the world can you be a person who desires the life you're living you don't even know you don't even know what you're trying to help you don't even know who you're trying to help you just wake up every day and I'm going to work and I'm getting a check man bump that life who has taught you this who who has taught you this who has taught you to want the life that you're living And so this has to be made clear that the what of what you're doing has to create a clarity so you can want to do the what to do. Oh, you've got to want to do the what to do. There can be little willingness if you don't know what to be willing to do. The third thing I learned from this is that this collection is teaching us about much more than just giving money. It is about establishing the art of being willing so that in our everyday living, we learn to precede precede our actions with a willingness. So before I do anything, Before I do this, I have to first calculate it in my mind. I must get a readiness in a disposition and a willingness to want to do it. Because God says, if you do it from a willing heart, what you actually do has so much more impact when you do it because you readied it first in your willingness. Ah, God. So why does willingness matter? I'm glad you asked. And that's what today's lesson is going to answer. The first misnomer, the first, first misnomer is that people think they have to have a lot in order to give in a way that pleases God. Wrong, wrong. You don't have to have like, oh, I want to, I want to help people, but I don't have no money. I want to yeah, feed the hungry. I don't got no food. I, listen, so listen, you don't have to have a whole lot. Every person online this morning, Jonna, Tony, Lil Ben, Lou Grizz, CY, Tia, all of you can be willing to do something. God says, I've given you enough to still want to do something. Oh man, I feel I could preach this all day. Look at point one. Point number one is this, simplicity. Somebody say simplicity. Simplicity is you don't have to be rich to be liberal in giving. It's called simplicity for a reason. Simplicity is giving what you have with the right heart, which makes it 
just as acceptable, if not more, and valuable as a large, wealthy gift. I, listen to this. Listen, there's a, a passage in the Gospels about a young woman who came and gave uh, two might. She gave her might compared to a wealthy person who gave a whole lot of money. And the Bible says God accepted her gift above the person who gave a whole lot of money because it was with her willingness that she gave it that God recognized. I feel I feel something pushing me now. So you don't have to be rich to get the attention of God. Uh, shoot. You don't have to be wealthy to get God's attention. People think because I gave a million dollars, I gave, oh, the Lord gonna recognize me. No, the Lord recognizes people who do things with simplicity. That's why they call it random acts of kindness, things that are unnoticeable, things that are vague and often ambiguous because even, even the Lord says when you, when you pray or when you go out to do an alms for somebody, he says, don't, don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. In other words, keep it inconspicuous. Keep it on the low because it's not about the amount. It's not about what you do that should bring the attention. It's where your heart is when you do it. I, God, I feel it. Anybody is simple enough where your life can be simple enough. It doesn't have to be great and grand. It just needs to be simple. So let's look at this verse. Verse number one says, now brethren, we wish to make known to you. Paul says, I want to make known to you the grace of God, which has been given in the churches of Macedonia. I want you to be clear on how Macedonia does it. They're simple with it. And so he says in verse two, he says that in a great ordeal of affliction, look at this, Macedonia in a great ordeal of affliction, they were afflicted. There was an abundance of joy and their deep poverty overflowed in the wealth of their liberality. So watch this y'all. So while in their own affliction, they had joy. And in their own poverty is what prompted them to give to others. In other words, they wanted to give even though they're broke. Most people take this position. I'm broke. I ain't got nothing to give. I ain't helping you and I can't help myself. God says that Macedonia's attitude was, I'm broke. And so I know what it means to be broke. I know what it feels like to be broke. So when I see somebody else broker than me or broke like me, I'm going to give something to help them because I know what it's like to be broke. In other words, we know what it's like to be in need. So we give. In other words, they saw their poverty. They saw their affliction. They saw their circumstances as a means to invoke or evoke their liberality in giving. That they looked at the problems in their life and said, I don't want anybody else out there hurting like this. I'm going to do something to give. So even if you don't have it, even if you're in the middle of a divorce, even if you're going through a loss of a job and you're unemployed, even if the debt is racking up, God says you ought to be willing <laughs> to live the life of giving. You ought to be willing to live the life that even in the situation you're in, you can still get the attention of God, even though stuff is going awry in your life. Look at verse number three. I feel preachy here. Verse three says, for I testify, Paul said, I can confirm that according to their ability and beyond their ability, they gave of their what? 
own accord. Ain't nobody told, ain't nobody forced them to do it. Nobody, even in their situation, he says, I know their ability. He says, I know they were broke. I know they didn't have it, but they gave it anyway. And beyond their ability, they gave of their accord. So look at this verse number three. Listen, so the term ability, the term for ability is the term in Greek called dunamis. He says, I testify according to their dynamite. <laughs> he says, I can testify that according to their ability. In other words, they only had 50 cents. They only had $5. They only had $10. I know they were broke. But he says, I saw that beyond their brokenness, they still had power to give. Ooh, he said, he said he knew what they could do. And he said they went beyond what they could do because they were willing to do more than what they could. Oh man, willingness will help you do more than what you are even able to do. When you have a desire to do it, you push God, you touch God. And he says, you want more? You want to be able to do something? You want to be a blessing? God said, try me and see if I won't open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that you can't receive. So the last part of verse three, it said that he gave, they gave on their own accord beyond their ability. Now watch this. Now I think this is interesting. What we should know, what we're able to do. We all should know what we're able to do and what we can trust God to do. So there's an element of how much I know I got in the bank. There's an element of what I know I can do. And then there's an element of knowing what God can do. So no, if they went beyond their ability, it means they had to have it. Paul said they went beyond their ability, which meant that if they went beyond their ability, they had to have it. They can't give what they didn't have. So this must've meant that they had it but it wasn't allocated to this cause. Listen to what I'm saying. In other words, they had a pot of $5. $2.50 they were going to give to the collection. The other $2.50 was going to go for food. So what they said was, we want to go beyond the $2.50 we promised, and we're going to dip into the $2.50 we have for food. Uh, in other words, listen, you can't will to do what you don't have. So if they didn't have the other 250, they couldn't give it. So what I'm saying is they had the money to give, but it was allocated for something else. But because I want to be a blessing so much for this, he says, I'm going to make this a priority. And then I'm going to pray and ask God to make up the difference for what I need over. God, are you getting what I'm saying? I'm saying a willingness to give puts you in a position to let God be an extra blessing to you. Because I gave more than 250, let's say I gave $4 and I was left with the balance over here. I'm going to go to God and say, God, because I wanted to bless him, God, would you help me pay for the food? That's when God says, because your heart was willing on the front end, I'm going to take care of what you need on the back end. God, I feel him helping me. He said, I'm going to ask God to take care of what else I need in my life. So one was due then. In other words, 
Paul was at the door for the collection right now. So in other words, the offering was being taken then. God said, the Macedonian said, I'm going to give you more than what you asked for or what I wanted to give initially. And that's my food is not due till later. So between the offering and the time that I need to eat, I'm going to trust God <laughs> to bring something out of cat dog. And is anybody hearing what I'm saying? Look at verse four. Watch this now because this is beautiful. Verse four said they were begging us with much urging for the favor of participation in the support of the saints. In other words, they wanted to help so bad. They were begging Paul, please let us give more. <laughs> please, God, let me do more. <laughs> they prayed with much compassion for us to receive their extra funds for those in need. It seems to imply they were almost begging Paul to take their extra, even though Paul knew they didn't have it. As Paul said, I testify of their ability. I know what they're capable of doing. He said, so haven't you ever said to somebody, you know, your, your daughter or son and say, here, mama, I'm going to take my extra little $5. I know you broke. And you say to them, oh, no, baby, I can't take your $5. Why? Because I know you need it more than I do. In other words, Paul was saying, I know they need that extra 250. I know it from here. And he says, but they were begging us. In other words, Paul had rejected it. It seems like he said, no, that's okay. You've given enough. But Paul said they were, please take our money. Can you imagine living a life? <laughs> Hallelujah. Where you're saying, please take my action. I want to do more than what the people are asking me. <laughs> Instead of complaining and griping about what the boss is making me do. Change your attitude and say, God, I want to do more. I want to be such a presence on the job. I want to be a light. I want to be a love. I want to be a person they can look to and see good and positivity. In other words, it's rising above what people are asking you to do and living the life that you want to do. Oh, man. Oh, is anybody getting this? So it's the same scenario where God says, then they were begging and saying, listen, the fact that you want to help people, the fact that you are more than willing. He said, man, I, I see you. I hear you on that. So that's simplicity. But then we move to the second point, which is sufficiency. Sufficiency. Somebody say sufficiency. And did you know that your sufficiency has to do with your willingness, that the sufficiency of your life could be impacted by your willingness? Without sufficiency, we will always run out. I'm going to say that again. Without sufficiency, we will always run out. So if you live in the life that you want to live, you don't want to live a life where you're going to run out of what you enjoy. <laughs> so God says, when you live a life that you want to live, I'll provide for the life to where you'll never run out. Can you imagine living the life that you want to live and it never stops? <laughs> That God gives you the opportunity to be who you want to be, do what you want to do forever, perpetually, without ever worrying about sufficiency. There's a water shortage in California right now, and we're worried about sufficiency. There's an ozone issue for the earth. We're talking about climate change, and that certain parts of the 
ozone are breaking down and we're losing certain elements that we need on the earth. We're worried about sufficiency. Your marriage will run out of love if you don't have a willingness. One question we counselors often ask the couple when they first come in, we ask them up front, do you want to be married? Because if you don't want to be married, six months, eight months, 12 months of counseling ain't going to help you. Point number one is establishing the willingness. Because if you're not willing, you're going to run out. Someone is always saying in a marriage, I don't have nothing left to give. I don't have nothing. I done tried everything. I ain't got nothing left. Well, the truth of what you're saying is that you've lost your willingness. Well, often that's because of an incorrect use of willingness. We think, listen this joy, we think that doing more than we've been asked to is to be rewarded. Couples all the time say, I'm cooking, I'm doing this, I take this, I bring the kids, I do this and that. You think, you think that rewards come because of the amount of what you're doing. It is not the amount of what you're doing. How much of what you're doing are you doing because you want to do it? God says the blessing of your marriage comes from the quality of your heart. The the, 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 the doing so much to save the marriage actually depletes the marriage. Oh, oh, I'm preaching right now. God never asked us to give more than we've been asked to give. People who are tired and exhausted beyond measure are not in the will of God because God never asked you to give more than you are able to give. But what he does ask is that we would give whatever we are willing to give. God says, I'm not even going to set an amount for you. I want you to tell me how much you're willing to give. Oh my God. God says, wake up on Monday and tell me how much you want to give. And God says, based on your evaluation of what you want to do is what I will measure you by. God doesn't say I'll measure you by all the 865 laws in the Bible. He says if you pick up one of them and say today I'll live it out. God said if you're willing to do one I'll measure you based on your willingness to get it done. Woo! And if the world gave what we desired from the heart then we all would have more than enough. Can somebody say amen? If we stop living in this world trying to do what we think everybody else wants us to do and just did what we want to do, we would find that everybody would have enough because everybody would give what they're able to give. But the reason many of us lack is because many of us give till we're depleted. So we stop the chain of reciprocity because you can't reciprocate what you don't have. But when you live in a balance with God, doing what he's asked you to do, never depleting as in sufficiency, you can always have something to give when required upon. So God says, don't live the life where you're trying to do it all on your own, working three jobs, four jobs, five jobs. Just Settle yourself. Pick 
take one and trust me to meet all your bills with $500. Whoa, I've been there, baby. That is the purpose of this text, to show how Macedonia gives. Macedonia gave a smaller amount. The Corinthians gave a larger amount. In other words, each give as they are willing. And God measures the willingness of all of us to make sure everybody gets what they need. So you might make 100000 a year and you give $10,000. I make $10,000 a year. I can only give 100 God says both of them have the same value when they're given because you want to do it. But the person who gave 10000 comes in and, well, you know, I need to have an extra seat and VIP because I gave more. God says you're wrong. He says you're not given VIP status because you give more. He says I want to see did you give it with a willing heart. So our sufficiency is largely based on knowing how to prescribe our willingness in life. Do you know how much you should offer? Do you know how much you should give? Do you have you evaluated this? Say to your wife, this is what I can do. Let me work on this for this six months or this five months and then we'll ante up later. In other words, offer what you're able to and be willing to do it. Don't bite off more than you can chew and say, I'll do this, I'll do that, I'll do this. You'll disappoint her and you'll disappoint you. And most of all, both of you will disappoint God. And instead, God says, take one thing that God is anybody hearing what I'm saying. Let's look at verse number five and number six. Verse five says, and this not as we had expected. He says, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. So we didn't expect that from Macedonia. So we urged Titus that as he had previously made a beginning, so he would also complete in you, Corinthians, this gracious work as well. In other words, you need to be able to do what the Macedonians are doing. So he says, listen then, that this point number two is this willingness towards others begins with the willingness towards God. So the Macedonians had a secret when we're talking about sufficiency. The secret was their willingness to first give themselves to God. Ooh, the trick to always having enough to give to others is to first give yourself to God. The text said that the Macedonians first, he said, Paul said, we wasn't expecting this of them. We weren't expecting more offering from them. But because they have this practice of first giving themselves to God, the Macedonians were able to say, we can do a little bit more. <laughs> have you ever been in a situation where the situation required a little bit more and God showed you where to get a little bit more from, but he does that because you have first given it to God. I wish somebody was listening to me. They understand that you can't have anything to give to others if you haven't first given to God who makes it possible to give to others. You can't help nobody else unless you have first given yourself to God. You've got to make it clear that God makes all things possible. And so Paul says in another part of Corinthians, he says, Paul even says, he says, my sufficiency is of God. In other words, the only way I'm able to bring you the gospel, the only way I'm able to be a blessing to anybody is because I'm sufficiently provided for by God. So verse five said, we were hoping, we weren't hoping for them to do this, but they gave themselves both to God and then to 
us. Notice verse 5. Look at verse 5 again. He says, this is not as we expected, but they first gave themselves. Notice the, the priority. They first gave themselves to the Lord and to us. How? By the will of God. God, I feel him preaching here. So in other words, the Macedonians were able to be willing to help others because they got their willingness from the will of God. We are willing because he has first been willing with us. In other words, I know what I'm able to do for you if I first know what God is willing to do for me. If I know God's will for me, then I can search God's will for how I'm to help you. So knowing God's willingness for me sets me into meeting. I come into the meeting knowing what I'm able to do. I came in the meeting ready. Have you ever seen a donor, an investor come in with a blank check? And based on your presentation, let me tell you, that investor comes in already knowing what their budget is in terms of what they are willing to do for you. God, they only do that because first back at the office, they've already looked through the bank account and said, we can give 200,000. But now your presentation will determine whether my gift is 50,000 or took the full 200,000. So once I get the will from God, that determines how much I'm willing to help you. <laughs> so I am not at the mercy of what you demand of me. I am at the mercy of what God wills for me. Woo! I'm preaching now. He says we are willing because God has been willing to do it for us. They understood that even in their willingness to help others, God would be their sufficiency. I'm going to do this 250 for you. I know I's over budget, but I'm going to trust God to make up the... Di- do you get what I'm saying? A willingness will open doors of heaven. That's all I'm saying. They understood that sufficiency comes from God, and when we are in God's will, when we are in the willingness, he will be our provision that will give us sufficiency to serve and help others. So make sure, folks, make sure, little Ben, you're in the will of God. Because when you're in the will of God, that's when your will turns into action. Because you will act upon what you know God has okayed. (laughs) So note, the letter is to the Corinthians. And Paul is using the Macedonian story of giving. And later will use Christ to motivate the Corinthians to do their part. Not out of grudge, not out of willingness, not out of uh, force, but out of willingness. It is important because the proper willingness produces the proper action. I'll say that again. It's important that the Corinthians do it because they want to because the proper willingness produces the proper action. Look at verses number seven through nine. He says, but just, Paul is talking to the Corinthians. He says, but just as you abound in everything, in faith and utterance and knowledge and in all earnestness and in the love we inspired in you, see that you abound in this gracious work also. Do you hear he calls it a gracious work? Oh, I love it. 
He says, I am not speaking this as a command, but it's proving through the earnestness of others, the sincerity of your love. I'm proving, I'm using the Macedonians to prove if you're doing it out of love. Verse number nine, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake, he became poor so that you through his poverty might become rich. So the city of Corinth was a wealthy city and they abounded in spiritual things and in love. And so Paul was saying, I know you got it going on. You got a great church building. All y'all can speak in tongues and all of that. He says, but I want you to do well in this area of this grace as well of being more than willing to help other people. In other words, don't just live your life doing it because you got it. In other words, I'm not doing what I do because I've got an abundance to do it. There ought to be a place in your life where you do it because you want to do it. Because the love inside of you urges and moves you to do it. There are many rich people who give charity thousands of dollars for the tax write-off. Wrong reason, boom. And I mean, naturally, that's good. Fine, do it. That ain't, ain't trying to tell you to miss your, you know, tax break, do what you got to do. But I'm saying when it comes to God, God looks at the gift based on were you willing to do it? Did you have something in your heart? Paul's point was that all this is good that you had should amount, this should amount to an action as well. To be fat within oneself is good, but God grants us fatness to be upon for others. So Paul said, this is to your advantage. I know you guys are wealthy, but he says, I want you to learn to operate in this grace also. So verse seven says, I need you to abound in this work of grace. To live a life of willingness is a life of grace. It is a work of grace. When I go to work with the right attitude, it's a work of grace. When I love my spouse with the right attitude, it's a work of grace. When I help my neighbor I do it as a work of grace. Our desire to serve in the earth is a work of grace. Somebody say amen. And then Paul needs to clarify in verse 8. He says, I'm not commanding you to do anything. The, the offering and the donation is not, God is not demanding you to wake up and help anybody. God is not forcing you. God is not making you come to church. But he says, I'm giving you the example from others to spark you to do the things you have actually already expressed you wanted to do. You just haven't done it yet. And we're here to help you finish your desire. Paul said, I need you to make what you want happen. In other words, make what you want happen. The whole point of this passage is to do things willingly. So Paul was encouraging their action by comparing the Macedonians willingness to act. So in verse nine, Paul uses the best example of all, our Lord Jesus Christ. He said, hey, He said, nobody made Jesus die on the cross. Did anybody make Jesus die? Jesus said, I lay down my life. 
for you. He said, nobody made me. That is a willingness. Jesus got up there on his own and no one made Jesus give up heaven for 33 years to come to the earth. Did nobody force him? Nobody said, you better get down there or else you're going to lose your seat. Jesus said, I'll go. And he was lived. He was born in a manger in a stable in a woman of Mary named Mary who hadn't had intercourse with anybody, but by the power of the Holy Spirit, the immaculate conception occurred and Jesus said, I'm here. And no one made Jesus sacrifice his life for others to gain from his losses. Let me tell you the kind of control he had. When they said, if you be the Christ, come down and save yourself. Jesus said, nope, I am the Christ, but it's my choice to make. And he said, I ain't coming down because if I come down, you won't live. We must get to a point in our lives where we're doing things when we have the choice to do it. Not because we're made to do it, because when we make the choice to do it, God says that is more honorable than being forced to do it. Is anybody getting what I'm saying? So God is teaching us that power of our actions comes from the willingness of our actions. Jesus was applauded by the Father because he gave his life. Jesus said, no man takes my life, but he said, I lay it down. Ain't nobody making me get up here and preach. Ain't nobody forcing me to do this. Ain't nobody forcing me to keep loving people. When people just take and eat and leave and don't say thank you, don't email, don't give, don't support, don't pray. Ain't nobody making me keep coming back week after week. I do it because I love you. I do it because I'm willing to. I do it because I want to. And Jesus' death on the cross was accepted by the Father because he laid down his life, not because his life was taken. You are not making me pastor. You are not making me preacher. You are not making me come to the hospital to pray for your child. You are not making me counsel you when you're in trouble. You are not making me teach Bible study. I do it because I want to. And so the difference in your impact in the world can often be found by the level of your willingness to impact the world without an outside force. So my bank is billing stacks because everything or most of the things I do, I do it because I want to. So how do we turn our willingness into impactful actions. I'm wrapping this up now. Look at this. Then we go from simplicity to sufficiency and now to solvency. Uh, Anybody know what solvency means? Solvency means one has assets in excess of liabilities. I'll say that again. I'm solvent. The business is solvent when my assets exceed my liabilities. So when I live my life out of willingness, I am not only sufficient, but I am solvent because the rule in the book, in the accounting book, is that my assets exceed my liabilities. In other words, I'm in a position to pay my debts. I'm in a position to pay my bills. Uh Uh-oh, watch this. More important, I'm in a position to help somebody else. Do you get what I'm saying? You can't help nobody if you're not 
solvent. <laughs> Somebody say, God, make me solvent. In other words, I need a life where I'm not in the control of others. And everybody takes from my account when they want to. I tell people, I don't, if I don't have to, I don't let businesses do the auto pay, go into my account and take the money. I'll pay you. I'll be disciplined. I'll come, I'll come on 15 and I'll pay it myself. I don't want people being able to go and take. I want the control to be able to say where I give my money. You may not get it this month. You might be late three days because I might want to give to somebody else. Do you hear what I'm saying? So God make me solvent to where no matter who I pay, there's still a little left in the tank so that I'm able to be a blessing. The problem with this is that the just live by faith. The righteous folk live by faith, meaning our books don't always say or show what we really have in the bank of heaven. Bank of America don't always report what the bank of heaven has. So our earthly bank says I got $25, but our heavenly bank says I got 250 coming. And we have to learn how to apply our willingness and how God measures our willingness so as to accept what we are able to give as valid and sufficient payment for what is needed at the moment. In other words, we've got to know what's in our account, not just our physical account, but our spiritual account. In other words, I got to I got to know how I've been living all week. I got to know if my life is right, because when I've been living right, I know there's more bank. There's more money in the bank. In- <laughs> there's more to pull from. In other words, I'm more solvent than what my bank is. Anybody ever been there? The bank says $25, but God makes a way. Somehow a check comes, a neighbor helps you, a friend d- d- donates to you. God says out of the bank of heaven, I'm going to provide. Woo, we used to have the little holy handshake. Somebody come up to you and say, oh, God bless you, $20 in your hand. Thank you. That just get me enough fast food or gas in my car to get to work next week. Look at verse 10 through 12. I got to go. I'm going fast. He says, I give my opinion in this matter. But this is to your advantage, Corinthians, who were the first to begin a year ago, not only to do this, but also to, to do it, to desire to do it. He says, so you you get an advantage. You, got, you guys said you were going to help us a year ago. He says, now it's coming to the collection. Verse 11 says, but now finish doing it also. So that just as there was the readiness to desire, to desire it, so there may also be the completion of it by your ability, based on what you can do. So then verse 12 says, for if the readiness is present, if the will is there, it is acceptable according to what a person has not, not according to what he does not have. So in other words, your readiness is acceptable. It is based on what a person has, not according what you don't have. So God ain't asking you to give what you don't have. So here's what he's saying. A will is the beginning of an action. So he's saying to the Corinthians, he says, hey, a year ago, y'all willed to help us. But now we're here to turn that will into an action. So verse 10 says the Corinthians had a willingness, but now it's time for action. And Paul was saying it's time to do what you have desired to do. And I'm saying to some of you out there, you have been wanting to do something for a whole year. You listened to the whole family business last year year and you came up with a plan is what I want to do and you ain't dead nothing yet. God is saying now it's time to put some action 
listen to what you want to do. And as long as you don't do what you want to do and keep doing what others want you to do, you always be under the control of others. So Paul said it was to their advantage to desire it first. He said that is a good thing that you desired and you want to do something. But he says we can't stop there, breath for change church. He says you gotta make it act like you want it to act. So verse 11 said, Paul urges them to finish the desire with an action. Our willingness to do is only complete when we do what we have desired to do. And may this message build a passion and a fire upon you to know what you want to do. I pray that some of y'all get a hot flash about this is what I want to do. Whoa, it just hit me. Holy Ghost just gave me what to do because Paul said it is an advantage to know what you want to do. Have you ever asked somebody, what do you want to do? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. If you don't know, you're already at a disadvantage. But people who know what they want to do are in a position of an advantage because the willingness (laughs) sets up the acceptance of the action. Oh, come on, PC. But note, an action to be complete must revert back to our ability. Listen, I can't do it if I don't have it. And we are willing, whatever we're willing to do is based on our ability. Look at verse 12. Put it back on the screen. This is my wrap up. For if the readiness is present, it is acceptable according to what a person has, not what he doesn't have. And so verse 12 is a key verse for if there first be a willing mind, in other words, if the ready mind is there, if the readiness is present, he said it is the willingness that determines or validates the ability to act it out. He says if you can desire it, if you want it, he says you're already in the position for it to be accepted by God. God doesn't accept your proposal based on what you don't have. He accepts your proposal based on what you do have. So conjure up, count your pennies and see what you have and desire something based on ability. Our willingness is weighed or it is measured or accepted or rejected by God and he determines how to provide the resources or energy to complete the desire. In other words, I take what I have in my room and I say, God, this is all I have, but this is what I'm willing to do. And because we give it to God first, God comes to the meeting as the investor with the blank check. And he says, well, I know you have $5. I'm going to add 500,000 to it. And I'm going to accept it, not based on what you don't have. I know you ain't got the money, but you've got the heart and the willingness because you want to be a blessing to the inner city. I'm going to write a check. I'm going to send people to bless you. I'm going to direct your steps to the right network, to the right foundation. I'm going to direct your steps to the people who can provide for you, like the Gary Sinise Foundation for our beloved Daddy Kane. God will direct you to people who can give you what you don't. Uh, is anybody hearing what I'm saying? The word first or present, he says, when the readiness is present, it means that your willingness is 
placed in a place where I can see it. He says, God says, before you show me the money, show me your willingness. Before you show me the business plan, show me how much you want to do it. And if you want to do it bad enough, God says, based on the desire of your heart, I'll make sure it gets done. And so God says, before I see your gift, place your willingness before me first. Let me see your heart. Make your willingness present before your action. Why? Because your gift will be accepted, not based on the quantity of what you give, but on the quality of the readiness of the mind to be a blessing. So God says, I'm not going to bless this because you have all your ducks in a row. I'm going to bless this because you got the heart to do it. God doesn't set an amount and say, give it. And if you can't give it, you'll be penalized for not doing so. So let's say we come to church. God says, everybody got to give 10%. And if you don't give 10%, you go into hell. No, God does not do that. God says, instead, he says, what can you give? He says, what can you give? What, what are you able to give in this service? How much can you add to this ministry? How much can you add to this world? God doesn't say, wake up and go do 18,000 things. He says, what can you do literally in your physical ability? You got one broke knee. You're in a wheelchair. You got a breathing problem. You got asthma. He says, based on what your current situation is, you tell me what you are willing. Cat dog it. Based on what's inside of you, what can you willingly say you want to give? And it is based on your readiness of mind when you respond to God that he makes it possible for you to give what you desire. And you give it knowing it will be accepted by God because you gave it from the heart, not based based on what you don't have. And so the point of all this is quoted so well by Robert Jameson and Fawcett of the Critical Explanatory Commentary. He said, God accepts the will for the deed. In other words, God accepts the will for the action. He judges not according to what a man has, to what a man has the opportunity to do, but according to what he would do if he had the opportunity. Let me read that again. He judges not according to what a man has the opportunity to do, but according to what he would do if he had the opportunity. Ooh, and you may be asking, oh, PC, how, how do I get that kind of willingness? How do I know the right things to invest in? Well, here's your answer, beloved. Here it is. Psalm 37, 4 says, delight yourself in the Lord. And he will give you the desires of your heart. There it is. It's very simple. Delight yourself in the Lord. And he will give you the desires of your heart. God says, if you delight yourself in me, I'll give you the right amount of willingness or desire to what I've called you to do. I'll place the right desires in your heart. God doesn't even put the pressure on us to get it right. He doesn't even say, well, you got to make sure it's right. You, you got to have the right desires or else I can't help you. God says, I'm going to help you even desire the right things to desire. Oh my God. He says, just love me. Just pick me. Every morning, every day, choose me. <laughs> Thank you, Grey's Anatomy. He says, be happy in me. And he says, I'll help you 
want the right things. He says, delight means to be happy, to be exquisitely delighted in him, to make merry over, to make sport. God says that's all you have to do and I'll give you what to desire or I'll give you what you desire because if you're happy in me, you'll desire the right things. You'll want what I want. Two things I learned from today's sermon. Number one, selfishness is the antithesis to willingness. And the people who don't want to help others and be willing to give are people who are too stuck on satisfying themselves. And that's why they aren't willing. So your life is on hold because you can't get past you. The second thing I learned is that one way to verify willingness is to remove the offer of reward. And that sometimes God will check. In other words, he'll remove, in other words, he'll make you do something to see if you'll do it without any reward. Because most of us, a lot of us do stuff if we know we're going to get paid for it. So God says to test whether or not you really want to do it, I'm going to ask you to do something or see if you'll do something without getting anything in return. Because if you want to do it, it doesn't matter how people respond to you. It just means you want to do it. But when you feel like you are uh, getting paid or if you don't get paid, now you don't want to do it no more. God says you didn't want to do it in the first place. You do it because you want to, not because you're paid to. So today, I hope you have learned that your willingness to act in the world carries just as much, if not more weight with God than your actions do. Some people brag about, oh, I go to church every day. I go six to nine, six to nine, six to nine. I have to go up, reach up, and I preach. I go to devotion. I do devotion. And I pray. I read my Bible every day. I pray 18 times a day. I just, blah, 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 blah. And God said, oh, none of it matter if you're doing to count points. He says, I'm only honoring it if I know that you're meeting me in the morning because you want to. And Isaiah 119, write this one down, Shauna. Isaiah 119 says, if ye be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. <laughs> so God says, if you be willing, he didn't just say if you obedient. Most people say, if I just obey the word, nah, God said, if you be willing and obedient, he says, if you obey me because you want to, not because the pastor scared you into doing it. He says, if you be willing and obedient, what will happen? You shall eat the good of the land. You have to be willing to do it to really please God. And that takes faith. Spike Lee says, do the right thing. But what we need to say is, do the right thing for the right reason. And the best reason to do anything it's because you're willing to. I'm PC, and that's all I've got.